Network. Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from the Family History Library here just across the street from Temple Square, just across uh, West Temple. And I'll tell you what, if you haven't been to this building in a while, they have done some amazing stuff down here. It is cool. It is really cool. Uh, You need to... Come see us just to check that out alone. But, of course, we're here uh, promoting Roots Tech, which is uh, a show coming up at the Salt Palace Convention Center February 26th through the 29th. And, man, you, if you've ever been interested in, in family history or genealogy, I mean, this this is the event for you. And Emmett Smith will be the keynote speaker. They have a bunch of speakers, but Emmett will be the keynote speaker on Saturday night. And so they're, they're kind of – it's the reason we're here, Gordon. They're kind of trying to touch a new audience with uh, the sports fan out there. And uh, Emmett Smith, what a great opportunity to uh, listen to an NFL running back who's a Hall of Famer and who's gotten involved in family history yeah. and uh, how it's become a part of his life. So – uh, really cool to be down here and be a part of it today. And we still have a couple of free passes to the show, but I'd suggest you get down here pretty quick. We're out of meet and greet passes, and we have a couple of pieces of jazz gear left. Uh, but get down here and, of course, get online, rootstech.org, to register and learn more. And if you use promo code ZONE, you'll save uh, $20 on your registration. Jake, do you like the uh, show, the Antiques Roadshow? I have, not, seen it? I have not seen it, no. It's on PBS uh, channels, whatnot. I don't lo- watch that. I, bro- I, I, like it. I, I like it. I don't see it a whole lot, but uh, they, I just saw a video of this veteran who picked up a watch way back when and uh, for uh, relatively little. And he just he just found out his watch is worth $700,000. Oh, is that all? Jeez. That'd be nice. Set me up. That's cool. His reaction is... Not bad is, for a Casio. He fell down. <laughs> I would fall down, too, I think. He no. collapsed and uh, rolled around on the ground for a minute. All right, it's time for your NBA Daily Assist. Austin, hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by our friends at Lee's Heating and Air. Cold weather is here. Is your home's heating system ready? Lee's Heating and Air is now offering their winter furnace checkup for only 59 bucks. Call Lee's Heating and Air today at 801-747-LEES or online at leesheatac.com. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Of course, he's a senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated and our good friend Chris Mannix with us on the big show. Hi, Chris. How are you? What's going on, guys? Hey, uh, Chris, uh, well, of course, Kobe Bryant remains in the news and uh, having you on um, covering the NBA for as long as you have, uh, you know, kind of want to leave this a little open ended for you, I suppose. But uh, describe kind of your thoughts about the passing of certainly an NBA legend. Yeah, they they're comparable to most. I mean, shock. And, you know, it's it's one of the, the rare instances, I feel like, in my lifetime that I'll remember where I was, what I was doing the day, the date, all of it, um, you know, it just it resonates that strongly. And, you know, in the aftermath of it, the first thing you try to do is take the pulse of, of the league and, 
you know, everything you see and read the immediate aftermath, but I'm down here in Miami where for Celtics heat and, you know, it still very much is, is on the minds of players. I think that you'll see tonight, I believe something I, I, I couldn't quite get, I gather all the information, but I think they'll wear either Kobe sneakers or something Kobe related um, tonight. And, you know, they're all still very much thinking about it. So it's, it's a tough day for and tough, you know, days, plural for, for everyone to, that, you know, followed his career casually or covered him like I did or knew him deeper as, as, as so many others did. Chris, as you reflect back on his career, what are your observations now? You know, it's almost, you know, Sinatra-like. He did it his way to steal a, a line. I mean, there are, you know, he wasn't a – I mean, he certainly wasn't a perfect character. I mean, he, he very much was, you know, a flawed person for, for personal reasons. It's also for professional reasons. I mean – you know, Kobe was part of the destruction of a dynasty in the early part of the 2000s. I mean, if he could have gotten along with Shaq and figured out a way to coexist, that team might have won four or five titles along the way. Uh, but at the same time, he's also, and maybe you guys can tell me, he's one of the only guys I can think of that, you know, with one team went through a championship window, went through a downtime, and then reopened that window. I can't think of really any players that have that have done that, uh, at least not with one franchise. And and that, that, I think, speaks to his singular focus. I mean, he, he definitely almost left the Lakers a couple of times. I mean, we don't want to gloss over. He wasn't Dirk Nowitzki when it comes to, you know, a, a playing for one team and a desire to play for one team. He demanded a trade at least once and almost left as a free agent back in 2007. But he stuck it out and opened up another championship window in L.A., and that's remarkable. I mean, you just don't see guys, you know, having the, the patience and the ability to go and do that. Kobe was, you know, a rare character that just, you know, kind of functioned – on his own level, and he was never going to change. You know, Chris, uh, we keep hearing uh, that Kobe wanted to to be a storyteller uh, after basketball, and of course we saw him win an Oscar, uh, for crying out loud, which is just amazing, but it feels like his post-basketball career was full of all these moments that now you look at and seem extra special and I, I want to give you some credit because this popped into my mind uh, you know, as we were processing the news but I remember an interview you did with him on radio on your show at the time and this was probably a year maybe maybe two years ago where and the, the moment that stands out to me was you had him break down Ben Simmons shot and he very candidly said Ben Simmons needed to start over again and I've referenced that I don't know how many times but like it seems like he wanted to give back to basketball and be a storyteller and it just seems like now that his life has been cut short those moments seem extra special yeah he was on the path to a a great pro uh, post playing career and that's not easy for guys that play the level of a kobe bryant so many countless you know retired and then took forever to figure out what they wanted to do i mean just you know faded away or had some problems like an Allen iverson or uh, just very few knew what they wanted to do and executed it with the near perfection of Kobe Bryant. I mean, anyone that, you know, if you speculated on what Kobe's post-playing career might look like while he was playing, you might have said part owner of the Lakers or a general manager like a Joe Dumars. I mean, th- those would have been natural progressions. But the idea that he would open a multimedia company, that he would win an Oscar, that he would win an Emmy, that he would open a publishing house and start putting together these sort of fantasy tales that he did that that were so successful. I mean, you're going to see in the coming year a lot of projects that have been in development coming out of Kobe's various enterprises do extremely well. Um, and and that's, that's amazing. I mean, it really is that at 41 years old, he was able to, to put together that or harness his power and put together this type of, of post-playing career stuff. So it, 
it was something that he was able to to do what he did out there. Obviously, Chris, some of that is intellectual firepower. He's a smart man, and uh, obviously, his uh, his passion for greatness is uh, uh, that's uh, a thousand stories can be told there. But the question I have for you in that regard is. This is a guy who's going to be successful at anything, and some of it comes from within this kind of people have talked about his fierce competitiveness. I wrote about this today. It's, it seems to be there in some athletes and not so much in other athletes, even if they're accomplished, but the great ones, the great ones have it. And he had it in a way that I hadn't seen uh, many athletes exceed what he had in that regard. Yeah, no, I don't think he – I don't think you'll see – many that have, that have had it or will have it again. It's what separated him from so many other guys that, that unquenchable fire, not to get too cliche, but it just, just what it was. And, you know, in the aftermath of his passing, everybody kind of processes it different ways. And I, I process it kind of two ways. One, you, you feel the most anguish for his daughter who was just, you know, it seemed like she had just an incredible future, you know, playing college basketball down the line at UConn and, you know, being the heir to the Bryant name. I mean, that just, that was really probably the toughest part for me. But you get inspired by all the, you just remember how hard he worked, how hard Kobe worked. And that really is kind of at least half the battle in stuff. I mean, all of us work hard to a degree in our various uh, uh, ventures. But even in retirement, Kobe's getting up at 3.45, 4 in the morning. He's, you know, putting in, you know, the kind of days that people that in his position don't put in. Uh, keeping in the kind of shape that he kept in, just trying different things like he was. I mean, it really was – I really felt inspired after that about the kind of worker that he that he was. And, look, I, I'm somebody that works pretty hard. I have, you know, covering two sports and doing all the things I do. But I just it, – it made me feel like I want to work even harder. You know, it, it just like hearing all the tales of how hard Kobe works. One thing that really connected me was, uh, he, you know, his passion for his girls, his his daughters. Yeah. Uh, and he ha- he has a bunch of them, and I have five daughters. And when I heard him talk, I went back and looked at some of the interviews he had done and how passionate he was for his kids. Man, I'll tell you, it just gets you right in the feels. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's one of those things that, being honest, as someone that that doesn't have kids yet, like I'm. Um, I couldn't quite connect with, but seeing how many people did in that hashtag that, that got through social media, girl, dad, and all the pictures that were being posted. I mean, look, one of the things Kobe will, will forever be remembered for over the last couple of years was being such a fierce advocate for women's sports. And, you know, a lot of that was through Gianna and all that she represented to him and, and all, all that she did. And, you know, that, that's something that was pretty powerful, whether it was WNBA or women's college basketball. Kobe was, was a pretty strong advocate for that. And that's, That's something that will be part of his legacy. Speaking of his legacy, and I want to talk about his career arc just a little bit here, Chris, and I am not a a comic book nerd by any means, so I'm I'm sure I'm butchering this quote, but there was something in Batman that every hero will live long enough to become the villain. And it seemed like Kobe's career arc was interesting because he was the wonderkind, and then he was the villain, and then he kind of moved on to this elder statesman role model and and you know bought back in you know really into his family and he actually returned i believe to his catholic faith and it was it was interesting it was very human i guess is what i'm trying to get at he had a very human career arc along with greatness on the floor yeah i mean look you're right he he was the villain and for a lot of reasons it was deserved uh for personal reasons what happened in colorado in 2003 professional reasons for you know kind of his part he played in the destruction of the lakers and you know his relationship with a fracture with phil jackson i mean he 
And look, all that stuff kind of basically created his alter ego of the, the Black Mamba and that Mamba mentality. That's what kind of drove him into becoming that sort of figure. And, you know, to see him kind of rise out of that, you don't see everybody rise out of that. He transformed himself yet again later in his career. I think, you know, it was really back in like 07 or 08, if I remember correctly. And I was just starting to cover the NBA then, so I didn't have much, if any, of a relationship with Kobe Bryant. But it did seem like around then he started to really try to connect with the media and and kind of try to retell his own story and, and try to turn the page on everything that happened to him uh, and that, that he did really early in his career. And I think that played a big role. Yeah, we connected, he started to really connect with people, media members, other players, younger players. The 08 Olympic team was a huge moment for him and for the guys that played with him. Um, you know, all those moments kind of piled up to, to create the new version of Kobe Bryant. Chris, I don't know if you knew uh, Ross Seiler. He's uh, he was a writer. Yeah. He covered the Lakers sure. for a while. He uh, he wrote in a on a Facebook blog or whatever you call it something that he after covering a game in which the Lakers were absolutely crushed by the Clippers, and this is back in 2005. He said that Kobe was the only player he ever heard quote Ben Franklin post game. He said quote We must all hang together, or we will shortly all hang separately. Uh, quoting Ben, and I just thought, okay, that sounds like something Kobe would do. I mean, uh, he, he was a smart player who who understood. Uh, I think he understood things as much as he, uh, to the level that he could actually uh, do them on the court. Yeah, I mean, he was, you know, if he decided to go to college and stick it out for four years, as many of those guys were doing at that time, he could have become like a road scholar, I believe. He was that intelligent, and you could sense it early on in his career, and it really started to manifest itself later. He just had this voracious appetite for learning and for improving himself and and just doing everything that he could to better himself along the way. I mean, he was just just an incredibly smart, smart player. I mean, sometimes it was to his detriment. He was almost too smart out there on the court, breaking away from, from plays and, and chasing at Phil Jackson's system, but Man, his, his intelligence, as far as NBA players go, off the charts. Top one percentile for NBA players I've ever covered. Well, Chris, thank you very much for joining us, as always. And uh, thanks for giving us your perspective on, on Kobe Bryant, his career, and uh, the impact that he's had. We were looking forward to our conversation with you today. Thank you very much. And by the way, Gordon, good luck to you. Five daughters, good luck to you in the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Best, best, best of luck. That, that seems insane. Like, good luck to you. I appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Chris Mannix, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, and of course, one of our great daily assist guests. And it's always great to to catch up with Chris. Oh yeah, we were really looking. You said it. We were looking forward to hearing him talk about yep. it because he's so good. You know, he covers boxing as well. I wonder who the most intelligent boxer is. Hmm. Probably a few candidates for that, right? Oh, uh, I think a lot I, of people sure, think huh? uh, Floyd Mel- Mer- uh, Mayweather. Almost said Merriweather, like Merriweather Lewis. Floyd Mayweather uh, is a pretty intelligent boxer. Is he? I don't, I don't know. You've never seen Floyd? Yeah, fight? I've seen, I've I've seen him fight, but I meant just intellectual brain power being really intelligent. You know? Do you know any boxers that speak like twelve languages or anything like that? No, no. Me neither. Do you know any boxers? I don't actually. <laughs> yeah. It just seems like a real physical sport, as it opposed. Does. But they call it the sweet science. I mean, Jack Johnson's pretty good with a the guitar these days. I don't know. He is really transformed his career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And, and, and it's and lasted, lasted a while. <laughs> right. I mean, he was boxing, then surfing, now guitar player. It's cre- incredible. And is 120 years old. <laughs> Doesn't look it. Yeah, not at all. Not one oh, bit. All man. that sea air. It's good for well, you. Say, they say Father Time is undefeated. How, no, how, how about this for a transition? Who's to say that Jack Johnson couldn't be related to Jack Johnson, right? Well, I know a way you could find out. That's right. We're here at the Family History Library, just across the street from uh, Temple Square, across West Temple. We're here getting the word out about Roots Tech 2020. It's happening February 26th through the 29th at the Salt Palace Convention Center. Our friend Paul joins us once again. And, and Paul, this event is is really cool. Let's let's talk a little bit about the speakers, but let's talk a little bit about some of the classes and other opportunities out there as well. Uh, speakers for this group, of course, they're going to want to know about Emmett Smith from the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Emmett will be there on Saturday. Uh, we're excited to hear about Emmett and uh, his rise to success and what he's doing after all of his success. That's uh, very interesting. And Leanne Tui, of course, is our other sports-related uh, keynote speaker. She's uh, known for the blind side, um, and she'll be with us on Thursday, February So which 27th. character was she, uh, which, which role did she play? She that? was the mother. She oh. was Sandra Bullock. Okay. Sandra Bullock. All right. That's right. You know, it's pretty cool to have Sandra Bullock play in a movie. That's right? not bad, right? No. Haven't we all asked ourselves that question? Who, like, would, who play would play me? us in a movie? Who would play a... you? Oh. Well, I don't know what my movie would be, first of all, so... <laughs> Hey, hey, this stuff is very interesting. We could make a movie out of, uh, out of family history, right? You know, you know, I say that jokingly, but everyone has a story. Seriously, and everyone is a story. And Roots Tech is all about your story. And uh, so, joking aside, um, we are interesting. You know, if you, how would you like to have a personal journal from your grandparents, yeah. for example? They thought their lives were boring, just like we do. But their lives were very fascinating, actually. Mm-hmm. And what we would give to have that heirloom in our possession today to know what they ate every day, what they did for entertainment, what a day in their life looks like. So Roots Tech is all about celebrating families, celebrating you, the story of you, and helping you learn how to tell your story, capture your family story, preserve it. If, you, if you're a great athlete and you've got your fact or fiction stories uh, that you like to tell that have been passed on, we'd love to uh, show you through the classes how to preserve those stories and pass those on to future generations. Well, so cool. I've always wondered. Uh, let me ask you a question. Okay. I, I wondered whether, because uh, for a long, for a big portion of my career, I was a, I was a feature writer. I would write profiles about people, these big, long things. And I always wondered whether, because uh, I look at people, you mentioned it. I look around at people, and the people in this room right now that I see here are probably every bit as interesting as the athletes are that I've uh, interviewed through the years. And people don't think they're interesting. But yeah. they are when you start asking them questions. So I thought, you think I could start a business where I would write a profile about somebody and have them pay me to do it? Uh, the, the honor to have the great Gordon no, Watson that's not, no, that, no, 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 no. You're, you're misjudging. What I, that's not my point. My point is that I could put together a heck of a story about them that they could have, give to their, to their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. Don't you think that would have value? I think it would have value. And there are people at the show, the vendors that do those types of things. Really? They, they help you capture your story, publish your story, share your story along cool. that line. You can yeah. learn how to write the story of your life. So it's very interesting. There are so many aspects, facets of family history today. People are family historians that don't know it. Every time you take a photo of something of interest to you, that's your family history. Hmm. So the things you capture today, write in a journal today, tomorrow becomes your personal history and your family history. So what do you do with that? 
Anybody out there who wants me to write their story, contact Austin, and we'll see what we can work out. Gordon, I'll, I'll, I'd, I'd volunteer for that. I'd give you about... <laughs> What's your story? I, What's your life worth? What's your story Well, worth? Well, far more than that, but I'd give you probably like 37, 38 cents to write that, write, write that feature see, for as me. As I was saying, Paul would be a lot more interesting to write about than you. I believe that, 100%. I didn't know you were a feature writer. That's, that's impressive. Back in the day. Casey Kasem loved his writing. Just ask him about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. Hey, go to rootstech.org to get more information and to register. And if you use the promo code ZONE, you're going to save $20. You've got to check it out. Paul, thank you very much. We have five more free passes, four-day passes. If anyone wants to come in and pick those up. Come down uh, and pick those up, and uh, we'll send you there. And you can say, gee, I hope I'm not related to Gordon Monson. But if you just... (laughs) Come in and give us a smile. I'm I appreciate sure you egging people on to do that. And if you're a police officer out there, please don't tow Jake in my car. We're part Why do you have to put that out into the world? And they're not going to tow you for being over a little bit on a meter. They're not? What planet are you on? Well, they're I, not going to tow wanted... you. I missed my meter by 15 minutes and my car's gone. I All mean, right. that's... The... I just... And no, now, by the way, every have... parking enforcement <laughs> officer in the... <laughs> In the city is is headed this way. Is headed right this way. What are if, you doing? If you want to come by and, and see us, uh, there's a ten minute parking out there, so you can come right in. It's very convenient. But you and I might be over a tad. Paul, you know, thank we, you. We have a lot thank of, we have a lot of police you. officers who are listeners to our show. And now you're just begging. Bowler is joining us coming up next. Help. 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 of the zones. Gordon just found out during the break that uh, about uh, Austin and Eric Walden's dueling Gordons on the show the other day. Yeah, I did. I was unawares, but now I am. I know all about it. And we're going to talk to Bowler here momentarily, who also had a dueling Gordon segment with, uh, with Austin. <laughs> this was some time ago, though. Uh, okay. Bowler was, uh, was filling in for you once. I think we were at the warehouse, actually. Uh, but it was, uh, it was hilarious. So we'll talk to Bowler about what's going on with the Jazz. All right, yeah. Coming up here in a second. We're live here at the Family History Library, just across from Temple Square, just west across West Temple. And you're welcome to stop and see us. We're uh, hanging out with our friends from the Roots Tech Show, Roots Tech 2020, February 26th through the 29th at the Salt Palace Convention Center. And we do still have a couple of free passes, five free passes to give away if you want to go to Roots Tech We've got it for you here at the Family History Library. If you can't make it down but you still want to go, of course, go to rootstech.org to register and learn more. Use promo code ZONE and save 20 bucks. So if you can't make it down here and grab a free pass, we can still save you some money, and you can uh, still go to the show. I'm not making fun of the guy who just walked in over there, but you see that guy with a beanie cap on? That's an awesome hat. That is. You would wear that, wouldn't you? I absolutely would wear that, 100%. Very stylish. It is very stylish. I want to see Bowler in that. I could see Bowler uh, rocking that hat. Let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Lisa's Lisa, pet name any, for me is Bowler. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Of course, he is the television voice of the Utah Jazz, our good friend Craig Bowler. Jack, what's up, Bowler? Hey, Jay, Gordo, how are you? Missed you last week. My apologies. Uh, flying around this uh, NBA world gets a little crazier day by day. 
All good, Bowler. What? The, how's your beanie game, Bowler? Are you into stocking caps? Do you like to rock a good beanie every uh, day? You know what? I got a couple on a snowy day, snow plowing or something, but usually I go either Kansas City Chief, Kansas State University, or Utah Jazz ball caps. Well, Bowler, this one has a big old fluffy ball on the top. I don't know if uh, one of those, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. with the with the chin strap too. <laughs> oh no, no way, a chin strap. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that would be in my attire, but uh, you know, they they come in handy on occasion on a good snowy day, right? I would assume you might be fired up for the Super Bowl. Oh, big time! You know, mm-hmm. I've been trying to find a ticket. It's insane. All the alleged contacts you have. You really know who your friends are uh, when you're looking at fifty-five, sixty-five, seven thousand dollars, and the uh, and the, the price just keeps rising. You know, uh, I would love to go. We're in Portland. I got a I've got a hotel room still standing by, but and I can get there. But it's a matter of if I uh, want to walk the street and try to grab a ticket, whether or not it's real or not. I think that's the. Uh, that's that's what you have to be careful for. Or I may fly to Kansas City. There's going to be uh, some, uh, you know, a little party uh, someplace called Arrowhead. So I, I may just drop in. It's been such a long time. I got to do something right. Fifty years is long enough. Well, what do you think, Bowler? You think the Chiefs are going to come out on top? Well, look, I got to be honest. Uh, 49ers uh, were very impressive in the NFC Championship game, and uh, Garoppolo. Uh, is is a is a very good quarterback with a lot of weapons, run game, defense. Uh, they like to blitz. The Chiefs have their weapons in Kelsey and Tyreek and and Patrick Mahomes. I'm not real solid about the Chiefs secondary, uh, but the issue with Kansas City as well. They seem to start slow, finish strong, and in the Super Bowl, I just don't think you can afford to have that type of uh, uh, let's just say imbalance. So I'm hoping, uh, you know, from my point of view, growing up in Kansas City, I would love to see Mahomes get off strong and just, you know, take it. But it's a, it's going to be a great game. I, you know, the Niners are very talented. Uh, it's been a while since the Montana days. And people forget, man, Montana uh, was with Kansas City at the end of his career and got the Chiefs of the AFC uh, Conference Championship with Marty Schottenheimer and a guy named Marcus Allen as his running back but just couldn't uh, uh, jump over the hill. So... Hopefully this time, at least we're in the big game, and that's the first time since uh, 1970. I'm, I'm excited to see how it turns out. Hopefully, uh, for me, hopefully it's, uh, it's a Kansas City Chief day. Bowler, uh, speaking of not being able to get over the hill, uh, your thoughts on what you saw in last night's game for the Jazz? Well, you know, flying down here uh, and talking, and, you know, last night just sitting there, it, it was um, – it was almost almost a perfect storm, to be totally honest, Gordon. Um, you know, the emotions of 82 games kind of fluctuate high and low, and the Jazz been riding this incredible wave of emotion. And then you hear Westbrook, Harden, and Capella aren't going to play. And then you get players with the Rockets who don't get a chance to start or play that many minutes, go out and just absolutely uh, just take it to the Jazz. And I don't think they're the 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 way that the Jazz were constituted last night, we're not prepared for such a small lineup. Um, and also, Rudy seemed to be kind of bounced around off his spot. They're a very physical team. i got to be honest. I was surprised uh, the speed and also just, just the way they took it to the Jazz, and there was a lot of backpedaling. 
you know, we're in the elevator coming up and a couple of uh, coaches and, uh, you know, uh, a couple other, you know, uh, personnel. Sometimes it's good to get your backside, you know, knocked around a little bit, wakes you up. And I think maybe that's one of those cases. I don't know if the Jazz were so prepared for a Harden or a Westbrook. Knowing Harden hadn't played the night before in Denver and Westbrook was doing, quote, rest and Capella was out. But still, um, one of those games. Uh, but the lesson, too, is that champions have to be prepared for those. And that's where you kind of kind of have the debate. Is it one of those games where you just weren't up four after the emotional win against Dallas. But look, these next, well, prior to, to Dallas, and then, of course, Houston, and now the next eight prior to the All-Star break, all these games have such an importance of, of where the Jazz are going to end up in the West, whether they have a chance to catch the Lakers or not. But you can't have too many of these games, guys, and there's no question. This is, you know, you, you, this is, this is the, the important part of climbing that hill to the top. Uh, to use that analogy again, but uh, I was surprised, but also at the end of the night, you know, look, you hope you just push through it and jump back on the road and play very well on the road, which which is what you've done pretty much throughout the season, but San Antonio we haven't seen yet, Uh, we haven't seen Denver, and then of course we go back up to play Lillard and McCollum and the Portland Trailblazers, and they've always been an issue for uh, the Jazz. That backcourt's good. Fuller, how do you think the reincorporation of Mike Conley is going? Well, up until last night, I thought uh, better. Uh, there were turnovers uh, aplenty, and I think that was the other issue for the Jazz uh, that you just can't have this time of year. Uh, the, I think that was the one plus. Uh, even when Mike started to come back those first couple of games, everybody, again, overused word, but still true, connected, uh, same page, whatever whatever cliche you want to use. But I just thought that the team was playing incredibly just sharp, uh, concise, confident, uh, that sixth sense of where everybody's supposed to be and they hit their spots. Uh, last night that wasn't the case. And you can't just point the finger to Mike, obviously, but you know he played 20 minutes, which was the most minutes he's had. I think he last night for the first time he was the first guard off Quinn Snyder's bench. Uh, it's going to be something they're going to have to deal with and figure out what's really best for this team because the starting five as it's constituted, Jake, uh, let's be honest, it's, it's good. Uh, Joe Ingles and Rudy Gobert have a have a great uh, sense of uh, the pick and roll and where that ball needs to be on the rim. There was very few rim plays uh, developed last night, which really I thought was part of the reason why the Jazz just, you know, if you miss threes, you don't have any other options, right? There wasn't much of a mid-range game, and Gobert was, was limited. So um, it's, it's something that's just going to have to be continued to talk about and work through. Uh, and whether he's the first, the second guard off the line, Moutier hasn't played as well, and I know uh, that's got to be difficult for him because, let's be honest, he, he was a big part uh, of what the Jazz were doing when they were when they uh, what won, won ten in a row, uh, and they've uh, they still have an incredible record. Uh, but strangely, strangely, in in the West, one loss you can go from second to fourth, and that's what happened last night. Bowler, I've been talking about this for a long time, the, the Jazz's perimeter defense. How, how, how much does that need to be corrected? And do you think this is something that could become a problem as teams study the Jazz more and more? Well, if they hit threes, Gordon, it is. And it's a matter of always, uh, like, you know, in practice, the word is hands up. Show a hand. Put a hand in a face. And many times you see uh, the team lurch, and uh, when they struggle, they come out late. Um, you know, they're looking to try to double some players. Eric Gordon was an absolute beast last night. 
they double him to try to force a ball out of his hands, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, Austin Rivers uh, gets hot. Um, you know, it was it was kind of the perfect storm last night. But I understand your question. Uh, I know the Jazz work on interior defense to try to do the you know help the helper, meaning Gobert if he's if he's coming out, they've got to help him on the backside. And I, again, it's there's very small, just a small area. Uh, where the Jazz have to be nearly perfect in the way they play this game. They have to communicate a lot. They have to tell guys where to go, where to switch, uh, to stay or go, in the sense of are you going to help or not, or go out and, and defend the three-point line. So last night was one of those nights where the communication seemed not to be so keen, but also you ran across a team that seemed to be totally motivated without a, a Westbrook and Harden who uh, combined for about 52% of their offense. Uh, other guys in this league, Gordo, as you know, man, they play ball for a reason. They're in the NBA for a reason. And last night they went out and I think proved to themselves uh, they belong. And the Jazz were like, wow, yeah, you guys are good. But they didn't expect that. I mean, it's all about Harden, right? It's all about Westbrook in, in Houston. Uh, but last night it was all about Eric Gordon and a guy named P.J. Tucker and, and Austin Rivers and others. Uh, they were just prepared. They were focused in and they were, they were the better team and they were physical. I, I, that's the one thing that comes to mind first and foremost is that they just took it right at the Jazz and really the, the the Jazz were basically in a scramble defense and a lot of man-to-man defense most of the night last night. Well, our last thing, we really haven't had a chance to talk with you about Kobe and his passing. Uh, your thoughts? Well, I was, you know, I think like everybody, I got a text from Thurl uh, Bailey early Sunday and he says, have you seen this? It can't be. And I thought, oh my gosh! I mean, TMZ. No disrespect, but look, you know that's that's more of a tabloid a journalism, entertainment site, magazine, TV show, what have you. And I thought, oh man, that's that's just totally would be uh, outrageous if this isn't true. And then ten minutes later, uh, the reports came in, and uh, my first thought, I just sat in my office for a while because, look. As jazz fans and as a jazz broadcaster, uh, I called many of Kobe's games against Utah. And, you know, uh, an assassin. Uh, he, he was a competitor. He was much like, he is much like, was much like what LeBron does to every team in the league and what Michael Jordan and how he played the game at such a high level. Stockton was another guy, different level, but still the way he approached the game was that you roll a nickel on the floor, he'd, you know, he'd, he'd beat you to it. Um, just for the fun of it. Um, and, and, you know, my thought was, wow, an iconic player who really made his impact and then trying now at age 41 to impact the world in a different way, learning from hopefully his mistakes as a younger man uh, that he could go out and impact women uh, in, the, in the world of sports because of his four daughters. And I think they really drew him back, Gordon, into the game of basketball. I think he was really going to make a, a quiet exit. And then my thoughts went totally, totally back to April 13th, 2016, Staples Center, when Kobe dropped 60 and Harpering and I are there calling the game. And I finally determined, you know, just how important now that game truly was in the sense of history uh, for the NBA and for the legacy of Kobe Bryant. I've always, I think I told you guys before, I really felt like that was a movie. I felt that way was directed by Spielberg, um, and that everything that you wrote in that script 
was a perfect farewell for an iconic player like Kobe Bryant. And we had Jack Nicholson just to my left, not more than four or five feet, you know, looking and smiling the whole night with his Jack voice, you know, going 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 boys. And we're like, good grief, what are, what's going on? And it was just a night, again, that was made in Hollywood. Uh, and Kobe walked off the floor. And the one thing I do remember, he walked off the floor, I thought, with great grace, appreciation, which I was glad to see. And, of course, the Kobe smile. And then I looked up, and uh, Matt and I just shook our heads. I remember going, wow, I hope take this in for a minute and I did I stood up and I usually don't try I usually pack my bag and get off the floor pretty quick uh, or any stadium I've ever been in but this one the confetti fell and it was thick I mean it just kept coming and coming Laker you know colors purple and uh, yellows and I just stood there took a couple of photos of just the moment and uh, then I packed up my bag I put a couple of those confetti pieces in my scorecard my scorebot my scorecard and the box score and I still have it today, and I wrote on that. I, look, I pulled it out yesterday, and I actually looked at it, and I just said Kobe Bryant, uh, 60 versus the Jazz, um, April thirteenth, two 2016. And so those little pieces of confetti and a Kobe sticker that they gave out to everybody, I just put on my box score, and I thought, yeah, that was history. And now I realize he's gone. And, you know, really, uh, it's, it's impacted more people than I thought, too, Gordon. I know this is a long answer question answer to your question, but I, I think I'm, I'm really fascinated by the impact that he had on so many people in different areas uh, of the economy, the economics of it, uh, whether you're a jazz fan, Laker fan, you know, whoever it may be, he impacted a lot of people. And I think he was really trying to do good as he was moving into his uh, early 40s. And I think family was one. The, the family was something he was totally focused on. And he seemed comfortable that he was out of basketball. And a lot of guys have troubles, as you know, Gordon. You worked in L.A. Most players at that level have a hard time accepting, you know, retirement. But he seemed to make a really comfortable transition, and and that's um, that's kind of the way I thought of him when he walked off the floor that last time. I, I wondered what he was going to do, and he went into businesses and entrepreneurship, and also helping uh, the youth of America and giving a voice to women in sports. And uh, it's it's a sad thing to see him go at such a uh, at such a young age and a tragic situation too. Bowler, thank you very much. We appreciate your perspective and your insight as always. Hey, thanks, guys. I wish I could end on a happier note, but uh, we'll see you tomorrow night. Spurs, uh, we'll see what we got against Popovich and hopefully a bounce back game, right? Yeah, you we'll betcha, Bowler. Thanks. See you soon. Take care. Craig Bowlerjack, television voice of the Utah Jazz. We'll have more from the Family History Library coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I like a family-themed music today, Gordon, a little yeah. sly yeah. in the family stone. Good. Yeah, those are uh, good music listening days. Not bad. Mm-hmm. All right, we're hanging out here at the Family History Library just west of Temple Square across West Temple. We're hanging out with our friends from the upcoming Roots Tech 2020 show, and our friend Tyler joins us once again. It's going down February 26th through the 29th. You can get more info and register at rootstech.org. In fact, use promo code ZONE, and you can save uh, 20 bucks on registration. But, uh, Tyler, it's been fun. We've had a lot of our listeners come by. There's a lot of enthusiasm. 
enthusiasm for this. It's been awesome. Thank you, guys. It's, it's been fun. I, maybe the first Zone Sports Network show broadcast from the library, right? Oh, it, I think so. Wow, no big deal. I hadn't yeah. thought about that. We, Gordon, we're, we're blazing we're setting, new trails. Yes, we are, yes, we are blazing that, new right? trails. Uh, but, but seriously, this event is, is really, really cool. I mean, the keynote yeah. speakers, the, the, the ability to, to learn and the classes, I mean, it's, I can see why you guys have been around for 10 years. There's really something for everyone at Roots Tech, no matter where you are and discovering your own family story or what, you know, if you, even if you don't even know anything about your family history, there's something for you to get started. So we're really excited. Some great keynote speakers, obviously Emmett Smith headlines, kind of all of them and, and Leanne Tui along with that, but uh, just so many great opportunities to learn. What about somebody out there who, who has kind of been interested in it, but hasn't really taken that plunge yeah. yet? This seems like a good opportunity to just go for it. It's a great opportunity. I mean, there's nothing like the in-person experience, right? Come and, and connect with other people who are just like you, who want to help you, who want to see you succeed. Thousands of people come to Roots Tech, so it's a great family atmosphere. Well, and the resources in this community, you just can't really find them anywhere yeah. else in the world. It's pretty amazing. The Salt Palace being only a block away from the library right here, you can take what you learn at Roots Tech and come here and apply it and, and research and find your family. How did you get started? I've, you know, I've been in, interested in family history my whole life. You know, I, I remember growing up, my dad telling us stories about our ancestors coming across from Switzerland and just always had that respect for them. And so it's, it's something that I'm passionate about as well. So we're all connected to, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's cool. I agree. All right. Rootstech.org to register or learn more. That's roots, uh, rootstech.org. Promo code ZONE will save you $20 on uh, your registration. And we're excited for that event. The 26th through the 29th, it's Rootstech 2020 at the Salt Palace Convention Center. Tyler, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll have more Big Show straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. There's a lot to talk about with the story of Kobe Bryant, but it is a sports icon that, frankly, we will never see that likes of him ever again. LeBron James is not Kobe Bryant. Kobe is more Michael Jordan than LeBron ever will be. And I love LeBron, too. Kobe is at a different level and a different stratosphere than LeBron James. And I don't know if we will ever see another person that will be comparable to what we saw from a drive from a championship standpoint than what we saw from Kobe Bryant. Him and MJ are just at a different level. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Wrapping up the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, we want to say a big thanks uh, to our friends, well, here at the Family History Library, of course, uh, and uh, the folks at Roots Tech. Roots Tech 2020, it's happening February 26th through the 29th at the Salt Palace, uh, Salt Palace Convention Center. Learn more, go to rootstech.org, use the promo code ZONE, and you can save $20 on your registration. But I'll tell you what, Gordon, this has been a really fun broadcast today. Yeah, we've had, we've had a lot of fun, and uh, I'm glad we didn't get towed, you know. Because you and I parked that, we ran. And, yeah. You gotta stop. You know, you gotta, you gotta stop. And by I, the way, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, to, I wouldn't tell you. I mean, well, you, know, you haven't I, even been out there yet. How do you know you didn't get towed? <clears throat> Just sort of hoping. You, you strike me as the type of dude that has all sorts of unresolved moving slash parking not violations. True. Not true. Not a single one. Oh, Lisa, could you? What do you call them? Will you take care of those for me, please? I, I, I'm not going to. I heard a story today that someone on this show might have had a moving violation recently. I'm not going to, you know, but it wasn't me. It wasn't, wasn't me. It wasn't me. 
Yeah, wasn't me either. Was I it? tell you, they, they don't they don't pull over luxury cars like mine. Oh, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I never said that. I never thought that. I may have hoped it. <laughs> parking stall but, lines are merely suggestions. <laughs> you may have hoped it. You just can't help yourself, can you? I mean, you know, if anyone's listening, comes, I'm hoping. You just cannot help yourself. I see how it is. Yeah. Uh, but we have Casey had fun Kaysen today. Casey said I'm a good driver one time. Have <laughs> I ever told you that story? <laughs> Thanks to uh, Chris Maddox for jumping on the show today. Thanks to Bowler as well. Of course, you can get all of our uh, great show material in podcast form at 1280thezone.com or wherever you find your podcasts. You know, I'm starting to think that Austin, if he gets your impersonation down, he could do our show without either one of us. He could. It's true. He's that talented. That's hey, okay. Coach, how's it going? Okay, that's not funny, though. It's not funny at all. Oh, it's not funny at that's all where, when he does it to you. our great friend, the magnificent Chris Mannix. Chris, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. <laughs> I love now, how I have wait. an upbeat okay. personality, and now, that's mocked. Now, Austin, now do, bo- do both so you can you know, you're actually wow. doing the show. Uh, out to the Sprint special guest line where Chris Mannix, <laughs> the great, magnificent, our best friend, Chris Max. Thanks for joining us. Oh, Chris, uh, I, I, when I lived in L.A., uh, the, I was driving down. The, 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 you ever been to the, the Malibu Cliffs? I, I tell you, I was there with Coach John Wooden one time. And I'll tell you, we went, we went out to Balboa Park and we got a, a dipped cone. Chris, you ever had a dipped cone? It's delicious. <laughs> Balboa Park. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. That was so funny. he could do the big funny. show himself. He could. He could. I think I, this will know. be a fun segment. I might, I might cry a little while listening to it, but you know, yeah, it's funny. Cry. Funny, funny and cry. How can he never cry when he does it to me? That's it. That is hilarious and spot on, obviously. Uh, but no, thanks to Austin, executive producer of The Big Show, doing fine work as well. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Thank you, Gordon. And uh, we want to say thanks to our listeners because we couldn't do it without you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you tomorrow on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. <laughs>